Good morning, everybody. You guys hear me all right? Well, welcome to Connect. My name is Pastor Derek, and uh, so glad you could be with us. Uh, we're uh, we're going to just open with a word of prayer, so if you wouldn't just mind, you know, settle in your hearts a little bit. We'll have some fun in a minute, but uh, let's just let's just ask God to kind of open up our hearts and 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 let's be in a malleable, teachable, kind of contrite condition. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for just the opportunity to worship you, God. May we never take that for granted. Help us uh, also, Lord, those of us who've been in the faith a long time, not to become familiar, overly familiar uh, with your spirit. Those where it's new and it's different, I pray, Lord God, that it would be real and it would be uh, tangible and it would be intoxicating, attractive, Lord, and draw us to yourself, Lord. We never want to do anything um, to drive you away, but to draw people to you. And so I pray, Lord, that everything that transpires from this point forward would draw people to yourself, to your ways, and to your path, to your plans, for they are good. And I thank you, Lord, that you love us in spite of us and the things that we do and the mistakes that we've made and our past and our present and our future. Lord, we put in your hands right now as we seek your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. You can get your worship guide out. You can follow us on Uversion. Uh, whether you have uh, an iPhone or a Droid, it works. Our Wi-Fi is public, and so you can dr- jump in anytime. Did I just hear a Droid? That was awesome. Droid. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You guys are crazy. <laughs> anyway, we've been in a series uh, entitled Real Life. Everybody say Real Life. And the premise is basically that it's a relationship series. We've talked about many aspects of relationships, uh, parenting in particular. Uh, we did married life, two parts on married life. If you didn't get that, those were uh, really helpful to uh, uh, the mirror image uh, of relationship between God and man is the marriage. We talked about that. And then last week, we talked about leader life. How many were here last week? Wasn't that an awesome service? Uh, it was a very special service in the history of our church. And uh, so for so many different reasons, uh, I believe you guys are very proud of our church. I think you guys understand and get the message that was being uh, communicated and uh, really exciting to have uh, new leaders also uh, in our church rising up and, of course, a new pastor, P. Deach. Amen? And so that was a great, uh, great uh, weekend uh, for us as a church. Uh, today, though, I'm going to talk to you about single life. And uh, so we're going to, yes, Lord. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. Get that out of my head. Come on, get up. Uh-oh-oh. Uh, anyway, uh, it's going to go soon. It's going to go. It might pop back every now and then. So, almost called this message Lord of the Ringless, but I changed uh, just, to stay, just to stay true to the series. Uh, and last night, just to create a little bit of buzz, uh, last night, I kind of did this a little late, but you guys, a lot of you guys jumped in. On my Facebook, I put a little uh, experiment out there. Uh, I wanted to see what, you know, some people, the best and worst pickup lines. And so there were a lot of, a lot of participants in this last night. And so I'm going to give you the top 10 in a minute, but I'm just going to highlight some random ones. So these are just, just to kind of open things up a little bit. Um, one guy saw, he knows I'm a pastor in the community. He doesn't go to this church, but he knows who I am. And he's like, uh, he saw that whole thing and all those comments. And he goes, did somebody hijack your Facebook, pastor? And he was so shocked that <laughs> I would do that, that I would sponsor this idea. He thought somebody was impersonating me. Anyway, um, so just some, some, you know, pickup lines from singles. All right, uh, this guy, one guy says, can, can I have directions? And she says, Where? He says, to your heart. Uh, so I said, good and bad. All right, this one, uh, you must be Jamaican because you're Jamaican me crazy. Uh, you're so beautiful, you made me forget my pickup line. Oh, that's a classic one. Hey, girl, the only thing I want to change about you is your last name. Uh, I like this one. This guy's trying to be spiritual. He goes, hey, girl. It makes me feel so good to know we are equally yoked. Uh, I was doing my quiet time the other day, and I was, in, I was reading in numbers, and I realized I didn't have yours. All right, some less spiritual. Are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. 
Anyway, I could go all day, but I'm going to do the top 10 that, that, that we, our poll, our survey polls revealed these as our top 10. Number 10. <laughs> do you have a Band-Aid? I just scraped my knee falling for you. <laughs> Number nine. Do your feet hurt? Because you've been running through my mind all day. All right, number eight. Is your dad a thief? Why? Because I saw him steal all the stars out of the sky and put them in your eyes. Whoa. This is from our own church, from our young generation. Number seven. Are you a parking ticket? Because you've got fine written all over you. <laughs> number six. Are you religious? Because you're the answer to all my prayers. <laughs> Number five, do you believe in love at first sight or should I walk by you again? <laughs> I already did this one. Number four, you must be Jamaican because you're Jamaican me crazy. Number three, hey girl, do you know Jesus? Because I would love to spend eternity with you. <laughs> Woo! This one's kind of funny. Number two, do you have any raisins? No. How about a date? <laughs> it's different. It's different. All right. All right. This is one I used on my wife many years ago. If I could rearrange the alphabet, I would put you and I next to each other. <laughs> All right. Top 10. What do you guys think? Pretty good? <laughs> Anyway, 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 <laughs> uh, we're going to get right into it, but we believe that there are some things in relationships that uh, must be done intentionally, and uh, even more that, than that, you know, God's, God's ways, they're, they're timeless, and, and they're true, and, and if they're applied to our relationships, they can drastically affect the outcomes of our relationships, and, and so what, what I want to do today, and it's going to be uh, crazy for some of you, is what I want to do is I want to bring back some of the old ways and put them in a new context. Are you guys tracking with me? I mean, there are some things, again, timeless and true, but how do we make them relevant to you? How do we take some of the old ways and put them in a new context today is our goal. And here's what we believe as a church, and we say this a lot of times in our growth track, which happens every, every Sunday night at 5.30, but one of the things that we say is that the message is sacred. Everybody say sacred. The message is sacred. I mean, it is, it's timeless, it's true, it's, it's unchanging, and it, in fact, it must never change. In fact, Jesus, who is, by the way, a good message, Jesus, who is good doctrine, it says in Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same, okay? You don't, he doesn't change. And so we can't change the gospel. We can't change Jesus, Jesus' words. And so the message is timeless. Now, the methods, however, are not timeless, and they can change. In fact, in many respects, we can see from Scripture, they need to change. They have to change. And what church has done is it's changed the methods. Uh, excuse me. It hasn't changed the methods, but it's changed the message. And we got it all mixed up. And, and um, there's, there's, there's nothing really holy about the methods, and we have to change them to reach people. Paul said, I become all things so that by all possible means I might win some. And so we have to hang on to the values of yesterday and put them in a new package today. Are you tracking there? And so there are some things that we, um, that we have no control over with regards to methods, but there are some things, especially in relationships, that we can, that we can bring from the past and today. And so that's what I want to do. First, though, I want to look back. And uh, everybody look back. Check out your neighbor in the back. Say, hey, what's up? All right. So we're going to look back. But I'm talking about looking back in time. Now, uh, I just had too much pride, but I wanted to bring some pictures from my past, and I was looking for this one particular picture, and I couldn't find it, but I'm going to try to address it. I had, right around 10, 12 years old, I had this, this big collar shirt popping outside of this, uh, you know, uh, IZOD V-neck sweater with this leather necklace and like some kind of a, I don't know what, rock or something in the middle, real choker neck, it was crazy look, right? Uh, I remember about 13 years old, I had a picture, and I was in these uh, Levi's uh, slim, super slim legs. It's kind of like the skinny jeans today. They, they, everything circles back around, if you didn't notice. I actually saw my uh, third grade elementary school picture, and I was wearing the, the Converse, you know, the uh, Chuck Taylors, right? I have like three pairs of those right now. I mean, it's like all these years later, only 10 years later, I have those same shoes. <laughs> I don't understand all the laughter. And so 
I can remember these different seasons, but I remember about 13 years old, I'm going off to, to the eighth grade. I've got these Levi's on. I've got this uh, red and white checkered shirt. Man, I thought I was bringing it. Uh, Izod belt with the alligator right there. I mean, I thought I was bad to the bone. Izod socks with my Nike Cortez shoes. You know, the white ones with the red and then the, 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 the stripes, the red, blue. Oh, you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, but I was... I was bringing it. And all the girls had the, the long, feathered, Farrah Fawcett hairdos. You know what I'm saying? Like the biggest wings. I mean, they could go like this and they get airborne. <laughs> they just take off. And the guys had those kind of dopey hairdos. It's kind of, it's uh, you know, the hair would just kind of spin off their head like this. And I couldn't do that. So my father had to, like, blow dry my hair to make it look like that. And all the guys looked half drugged. They were always, like, you know, their eyes always looked droopy and drugged. And... It was just a crazy time, and anyway, it was, it was a fun time to look back at that stuff, and I can remember my first girlfriend, and, and this is probably, I, as we get larger, I probably got to be careful about that, but her name was Tina, and, and she, in the fifth grade, this is, this, is, this is how the relationships worked. You had scouts, you know, that would kind of go before you, survey the land, and, and I see her on the horizon, you know what I mean? And I don't know if, 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 if she has braces or that's tinfoil from a ring ding she ate, but I think she looks cute. And so you could see her off there in the distance, and you'd say, I like her, and see if she likes me. And we'd send notes, you know, the notes that came in the little packages and stuff, you know what I mean? And we'd send those notes off to people and see what the response would be and check boxes and bring it back from Canaan land, cross the Jordan, bring it over here, tell me if she liked me, yes, no, maybe, can we talk more later, because we had a serious conversation that way, and, and, and that's how the relationships were, and I'd send peace offerings in little boxes with, with bubble yum and bubblicious in it and stuff, and I don't know, but that's how those relationships went, and there, we, were, we were speak through people to find out what was up, and, and there, was a, there was a part of these relationships, you know, that I, when I look back, and the innocence of it. You know, it was just, it was just, it was a, it was a really innocent and, and wonderful time in a lot of ways. They were simpler, you know, they were pure. And, and some things, I think, from the past need to be brought back into the future. Are you tracking with me? And so what I want to say is that God's way isn't um, just a hard way. It's a better way. And, and, and what happens is because of religion and because of, uh, you know, church, sometimes we don't see what he was really up to. We always... I say this a lot, but sometimes we see God as restrictive instead of protective. We see him as us not wanting to have any fun, but the truth is he wants us to have more fun later. And so he's trying to help us see things on the front end. In Romans chapter 12, speaking of a better way in your notes, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform, not inform, interesting, but transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? Think. It's so important that we get rid of some of the stinking thinking, and that's why we prayed in the front end so that God would open our minds. And so I'm going to offer you some God ways that are amazing, and you might think that um, they work then, but they don't work now, and that's why I want to emphasize timelessness. And so I'm saying that while you may not have control of the methods, somewhere, some way, we have to embrace the message that's here in Scripture and, and figure out a way how to get that into our life today. 1 Corinthians 3 in your notes, it says this, Verse 18, stop fooling yourselves if you think you are wise by the world's standards. In other words, look at me, we, we sometimes think we, we know what's best. We think we understand how to do relationships. I think we come in sometimes with kind of a, a, a worldly point of view, and, and that kind of knowledge puffeth up, and it, and it can also bring confusion and distortion, and you might be missing it by the way you think altogether. Then he says, you will have to become a fool. In other words, people might say you're, you're backwards or old-fashioned to, to think the way God thinks and so, so that you can become wise by God's standards. In Isaiah 55, you all know the scripture, but it says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's that way in any you know, arena of life, relationships, even finances. God, there's financial laws. We can talk about the importance of, you know, ordering our finances and spending plans and budgets and, you know, and, and how we should do that. But God even has higher laws than that, laws of contentment and calling. And there, there's a whole bunch of things in God's economy that, and I want to say economy, I don't just mean finances, that are higher. His ways are higher. And so in my opinion, we're, we're sometimes losing the battle in, in single life, all ages, 
We're losing the battle. And, and we need to uh, kind of bring back some things to all generations. And we are seeing kids do things at early and early, earlier and earlier ages that at one point weren't even introduced until adulthood now. The exposure. People are being... Listen, uh, I use this a lot of times in a different context, but people, we're, we're like film. We're being overexposed to too much light. And if you're overexposed to too much light, you don't develop. It, original intent was good, but at the wrong time, with the wrong shutter speed, with the wrong angles, in the wrong place, it's, it can cause us to not develop appropriately. That's what God was trying to do with our innocence, and that's why it's so important to protect innocence, because if introduced too early, it can distort our realities. Are you tracking with me? And so there are some principles we've got to grab hold of to rescue the different generations of singleness and restore what was lost, restore uh, intimacy, restore uh, security, restore significance. God, listen, God knows your deepest need. The thing that you're really seeking and searching for through all the avenues that the world has to offer, which, by the way, lead you or ultimately to a place of uh, disillusionment, discouragement, disappointment, confusion, disorder, all kinds of things. God's saying, hey, don't do it that way. Do it this way. I know what you need. I know what you want. But we have a hard time sometimes putting it in his hands. And so, again, this message, uh, it's really for everybody. It's for, it's for singles, all ages, but it's, it's for teens. It's for parents. It's for grandparents, Lord, just to have that context that is needed. And so I want to focus primarily today on the subject of dating, dating, okay? You may not realize this, um, but dating is uh, a relatively new concept in human relationships within humanity. Uh, it arrived about, you know, uh, the 1920s to 1940s is when dating started to show up. That seems like a long time ago to, to you guys, but, but it's really not a long time ago against, uh, you know, all the years that we've been here. And it became popular simply because young people wanted to kind of uh, explore in, in their freedom and control their lives, and in particular control their social lives. And, and, this is, and they wanted to separate, you know, from parents. And, and so this brand new idea surfaced. And, and you can research the results on your own. I have an article that I'll make available at the end of the service. It's supposed to be here, but it will be by the end of the service in Jesus' name. It'll be right here on the stage. And so if you're interested in the, in the moorings and the roots and the beginnings of dating, uh, you can pick that up. You can just see where some of this stuff would come from, but, and even some links to research more on it. But you'd be interested to see it's not even presented from a Christian context. It's just presented from just facts, from historical facts. This is what happened. This is why it happened. And here's been the results ever since. And, um, but anyway, a lot of things have happened. And, and as a result of this kind of cultural shift in thinking, I submit to you there's been a digression, um, you know, an erosion of uh, healthy uh, relationships. And I believe, and I'll get to this more later, but I believe it's kind of been a plot, uh, a ploy of the enemy to systematically undermine the, um, the goal, which is for one plus one equal one and have a successful union between a husband and wife. The enemy started way back in the process to kind of disrupt what would happen later, if you're tracking with me. I mean, it used to be, you know, uh, think of this scenario. Once upon a time, boy meets a girl. And uh, boy notices that the girl uh, looks good and smells good, you know, and so he asks girl out on a date. That's kind of how it rolls from 1924. And the girl says, okay, you kind of hunky-chunky looking good to me. And so boy takes girl out on a date and uh, girl orders really expensive meal. Boy freaks out a little bit, decides to just get water and a salad. Uh, he panics, but he pays, right? So girl, very pleased with date. Later, after the date and the dessert and all the things that go with it, he invites boy to uh, over her house and over her apartment later. And uh, she's, uh, she's very invitational, and boy decides to go. And over time, boy and girl uh, end up on sofa, start looking at each other googly-eyed, etc., and then they begin to kiss, and then uh, the kissing continues, and the girl's enjoying it, and so the girl uh, asks boy to stay over for the entire night, and so boy says yes, and boy and girl, they do things that only married people are supposed to do, and you get the point, and boy and girl eventually start, uh, you know, living together and, and do even more married things, even though they're not married, and one day, uh, boy meets other girl, 
And so boy dumps girl, and girl really gets hurt and gets another boy, and she repeats the process and rebounds, and this happens again and again. And anyway, over time, um, they keep repeating this process, of course, but over time, uh, one particular point in time, something happens, and they meet, you know, boy meets special girl, and girl meets special boy, the only one on the planet for them, and the only one on the planet you know, that could be the one, and, and it appears to work out at first, and for several months, maybe several years, uh, they're getting along just fine, but eventually, special boy and special girl, they get divorced. Why? Because they are simply repeating the process. They're simply repeating what they did in the past. And my point in sharing this, is, this primitive illustration is simple, because our culture is seeing the fruit of what we are taught. We're seeing the fruit of what we see through media and, and role models and even our parents and even our parents' parents and it's crushing people's hearts at the end because what people really want, they're not getting and what they want to receive, they're not receiving and then they come into the church culture and one of two things happens. The church ignores the subject altogether and pretends it's not relevant or they communicate it in a condemning way rather than in a better way. Are you tracking with me? And so there is a better way. And you say, really? I said, I think I really do. I believe there is. And the name for the better way, and this is the part some of you are just going to just hang on and hear it all the way through, is courtship or biblical courtship. It sounds old school, and I know it is, and there are some similar dynamics to dating in it, but it's offered in a different way. And it's kind of taken from a text you may not realize, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, um, I, I, I refer to this whole section as ultimate ultimate, all right? Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. So God is saying that uh, it, there are some things that are appropriate at some times, but at others are completely inappropriate at another time. There's a timing for things. This is a process, and this is a journey that God is trying to take us on. And back in the day, uh, you know, back when, uh, you know, we have these Judeo-Christian uh, values, but the Judeo side, the Hebrew side of us, when we get a lot of our relational principles as Christians from this culture, and, and Jewish couples would come together in a binding covenant of betrothal. Big word for just basically saying two people are latched and ultimately, they're going to come into a, uh, a marital, a permanent marital relationship. But in the Jewish customs, when two people uh, were connected in this betrothal uh, season, it was as if they already were married. It was, a, it was a very committed and defined relationship, which, of course, is very different from what we see today. Very different. And I'm intentionally trying to paint a contrast for you. Uh, and if you look at the outcomes and statistics, you can only say something's got to be done different. And so this engaged couple would go on a fast from each other, the exact opposite of what we see today. They would actually pull away from each other for this season of betrothal, for what we would call a season of preparation. Everybody say preparation. It's getting quiet. All the singles are getting mad already. <clears throat> The groom and the bride-to-be would actually separate to work on themselves. And if I could just say as a parenthetical, when, listen, listen, I hope you can hear this. I just want to be pastoral, not popular this morning. But if you think about this, and I've spent front row, front and center with many, many couples. If we don't prepare before, we try to prepare after. It's really hard after. And so ultimately, this is even a counseling uh, approach. When couples uh, have not worked on themselves independently, then sometimes they can't work it out together. And so to get to the place where they can be together forever, ultimately, they have to pull apart in the context of marriage. We would sometimes refer to this as a separation. The world just sees separation as a path towards divorce. But in the Christian context, separation is saying, you go to your corner, you go to your corner, work on you, work on you. Then we're going to bring it back together. It's so much harder, though, when you have kids and houses and families and responsibilities to do that. It's also so much harder to try to do with all those things in the same room. The point I'm trying to make is this is why God is working so hard on the front end when it's easier because it's always harder later. Are you tracking with me? Some of you are tracking with me. But anyway, back then it wasn't about finding. Listen to this. This is totally tweetable. It wasn't about finding the right mate. It was about being the right mate. 
It wasn't about finding the right person. It was about being the right person. The goal was if I am the right person, if I'm in the right position in my life and life journey, God will bring the right mate to me and we will be successful. We will be successful. But if we're always focused on finding him, where is he, where is he, where is he? I would probably be telling him, run for your life. Or run from your life from her or from him because you're not the right person. You're not ready. And we, and we don't really have a right to attach our life to somebody else in a broken state. We need to be whole, whole. Adam, I'm going to get preaching, get away from my notes. Adam, when he was in, you know, in the, in the, walking with God in the cool of the day and talking with God, and he was whole. God didn't bring a, a mate into his life because he wasn't whole. He wasn't praying to God, God, give me my other half. You know, I need someone to complete me. No, he wasn't saying that. He wasn't lonely. The Bible says he was alone. Lonely and alone are two different things. Alone is all one. He was one, and he would be better if he had a helpmate, but he wouldn't be complete if he had one. Are you, this is good preaching, I'm telling you, it is. And so, anyway, and think about it. We, we're, we, we get ready for all kinds of other things, but we don't get ready for this relationship. We don't like the idea of preparation. We want to work it out later. We want to hope for the best later. We want to wishing upon a star. All we need is love. All we need is love. No, you don't. You need a lot more than that. Just ask, just look at a few married couples' faces right now, and you'll see written all over their face. It's a lot more than love. I don't wake up every morning feeling in love. Well, in my case, I do. <laughs> so we, we, we prepare for our future jobs, all right? We prepare our kids to be educated. Parents are all about that. Oh, we got to get in these programs. We got to do this. We need enrichment that, enrichment this. We spend thousands and thousands of dollars on it. But you talk about counseling, everybody goes, whoa, I don't need that. Hello, we got a problem there. So we prepare for all kinds of stuff that is not nearly as important as a lifelong decision that mirrors our relationship with God, and we won't invest in that and prepare for that. Yeah. Instead, we want a missionary date. Oh, I can change him. No, you can't. Oh, I can change her. Oh, no, you can't. Have you ever heard the story about the mother-in-law who had been married six times at the wedding? And she tells her daughter, she says, listen, she, the daughter was nervous. She was going to get married. She was down that back of the church, and she's, she's seeing the front. And she's starting to freak out. She said, listen, you've got to focus on three things, honey. The only three things you need to focus on to get down that, you just focus on the aisle. Just, just focus on the aisle. Focus on the aisle, okay? And then you, you lift your eyes up, and you see that altar. You, you focus on that. You focus on the aisle. Then you look at that altar. And then you're going to see your husband-to-be. You focus on him. So you just get that aisle. You just look at that altar, and then, you, then when you get there, you turn and you look at him. So she's walking down that aisle. Just focus on the aisle. Aisle. Altar. Him. Aisle. Altar. Him. Aisle. Altar. Him. No, you won't! And she, as she's walking by, the, the guy's ex-wife was listening to, listening to the whole thing, and she said, no, you won't. You know what I mean? Like, that's... That's what we think. We think we can change them after the fact. Mistake. This is what would happen back then. Back then, the father in this season would personally train the son. Imagine. Imagine. The father would train him in the principles of Scripture and how to be a godly spiritual leader. He would also require, listen to this, he would require his son to build a room for the, a living place for his future bride, and they would attach it to the parent's house. Now, I wouldn't recommend that tradition be repeated necessarily and and this room that was called a, a hoopa or a hoppa all right in the hebrew i can't i'm not good on the the how to say it but let's call it a hoppa the hoppa room okay this hoppa room was to be the place that he and his wife would spend their first night together that's why they call it the hoppa 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 no i'm just kidding <laughs> anyway the the hoppa would have to be built with the <laughs> that's funny <laughs> I work weeks on this stuff. Anyway, the huppa would have to be built with the finest materials, and it had to meet the dad's standards and inspection. And in fact, he couldn't get married until this project was done. And if, and if somebody was to ask the son, when are you getting married? He would say, I don't know. Ask my dad. Hello, different deal here. 
than what we're experiencing today. At the same time, the mother would be personally training uh, the, the daughter in godliness and, and purity. And, and in fact, it, it was considered, listen to this, it was considered the greatest gift you could give to someone was your purity. I just need to let that sit for a second and just say how far we are from that. So they would go into these strict activities and processes to keep pure and what she would see and do again, very opposite of today's, you know, go and sow your wild oats and bachelor and bachelorette parties and now we have media that just promotes this stuff. And you say, well, you know, come on, we're living in a different day. I get it. I understand. You know what I also get? I get not too long ago ministering to a couple and when he, before he got married, he went to one of these, you know, bachelor parties and you know, did all that crazy stuff, right? You think, well, no big deal, it was over. And then he got married, and years later, you know, uh, you know, time passes. He gets invited to a friend who's getting married, and he goes to the bachelor party for his friend, and he participates again after many years of marriage in the same activities he once did before marriage. You know why? Because he was at a low, and because that stuff was in there from before. That seed kind of was planted, those behaviors before. And so you know what it did? It destroyed the marriage, or it's nearly destroyed it, let's just say. Jury's still out. What we do before marriage can, can and does affect what we do during. In this time and culture, friends and loved ones were, you know, they were assigned to stay the course with you and, and kind of help you. And in fact, what we know today is the wedding party. Uh, the, the friends, that, this wedding party stemmed from this courtship process. Friends were called alongside to be like, uh, your support and to be like watchdogs and bodyguards for you. And th- it, this is where we get this kind of wedding party was passed down. It's, much, it's not like that today. Wedding party will try to bring you down. We actually bring into marriages now as a tradition in our churches. We have this thing called a pastoral charge. And I'll charge the, the person who's getting married. I'll charge the family. I'll say, hey, mom and dad, it's time for them to let them go, to release them. You know, kids honor your parents, but it's time to leave and cleave, okay? So stop interrupting, mom. Stop getting in the business, dad. And we, we charge them. Them, to let, let them go. We charge the husband, you know, to, to be faithful and to be, a, you know, a protector and to be a pal and to be a provider and all these different things that the Bible says. But we also charge the friends, hey, listen, stop siding with one over the other. Stop taking one down over the other. Side with God in the protection and the union of this marriage. And that's all awesome. And it deserves an applause. But listen, that's, that's at the marriage. This was supposed to be happening long before that was God's intention that these people that are there would be there before we actually get to the wedding day. Things have changed. In the past, there was much more of a process to marriage, and, and we were supposed to keep ourselves, you know, for each other. And anyway, today I hear, I hear things like, you know, I really need to get to know him, and I really need to get to go her, and I want to get as close as I can. And, and, and even more, gra- we get more graphic as we go. I need to test drive at first, and you say, are you serious, Pastor? Well, hey, listen, you hear much worse than this every day, you know? And, and so you might think, well, you know, I won't do that. Maybe you're in a different place. And it, 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 well, you will if you don't pay attention. If you don't predetermine the lines, you'll cross them. And what culture has done is culture is, instead of keeping the lines which are sacred in God's eyes, we move, we constantly are moving our behaviors Instead of moving our behaviors to the line, we're moving the line to match our new behaviors. And that's what culture has done. And if you look at it over generations, you can see there were things when you were young that you would look and you'd say, I'll never do this and I'll never do that. Then when you're older, you changed your lines to match your behaviors. We all know that to be true. God wants it to be different than that. And that movement of lines is what's, det- is what's affecting what's going on in our life, in our life today. Well, so what if I crossed the lines before? What's the point now? What's the new line? Listen, God can restore that which was lost. It's just, if I had a bucket of water, you know, clear bowl and water right here, and I, I put some, you know, uh, dark, you know, food dye inside that, how would I clean that out? I have to pour a lot of clean water in that and let it spill over. It can, you can be pure again. You can have that purity back again. You can restore that which was lost. It does take some time. But, with, but I think you need a stricter standard and not a looser one to get back to where you once were. So, Peter, you're really going off on this, but I just think we have to face the facts. I would submit to you that our, our way, the modern view, the modern way is creating havoc. Havoc. Bad, it's because of bad practices. And, 
And, and, and it's systematically deteriorated what's really important to us. So, so today, dating is more a practice for divorce than a readiness for marriage. That's what I submit to you. And so for me, dating in high school was, you know, was the girl, uh, you know, this is, this, is, this is, again, this is minor and moderate to what it's like today. But you give a girl a class ring, your class ring, okay, we're a thing, here's my class ring. I didn't mean to rhyme, but that's just what happens. And, and, and then you give her your letter jacket, and she, you know, she puts on your letter jacket, and she's, you know, you're like, hey, there's my girl over there, drowning in that jacket over there. That's my girl. That's my girl. You know? And then you have a fight, and you take the ring back, and you take the jacket back, and you start all over again. And this is the practice, this on and off, this uh, we're together, we're not together. And, and then we realize that's not working. And so culture, instead of getting stricter and moving towards uh, commitment and preparation so we can keep the commitment, culture now loosens the standards even more and just says, you know what, we're not even going to have defined relationships. We're just going to have friends with benefits, with no strings attached, and, and, and all kinds of teaching and instruction through our culture to support that. You see what's happened? Is anybody seeing what I'm talking about? This is what's happened. And so and culture tells us that sex is just sex with a body. And that's all it is. It's like a sandwich. It's just an animalistic activity. And I can't help myself. When God says sex is with a soul, two souls come together. It is, it is a spiritual connection. And in order for that connection ultimately to have permanence and to stick, then we have to just do it once instead of over and over and over again. And if this was an adhesive, and this was an adhesive like pieces of tape, if you keep connecting with one person and splitting apart and connecting with one person and splitting apart and connecting with one person and splitting apart, ultimately you lose the adhesive quality of that relationship and then when you find special boy and special girl and you come together, it doesn't stick anymore. We've lost our stickiness in our staying power in our relationship because we haven't gone to God's way, we've gone to our way and that's the problem. Oh, I don't think anybody likes me right now. Because you play, because how you play later is how you practice now. And if you will practice, if you will work hard at it now, if you pay now, you can play later greater, as my daddy used to say. You can have an ice cream right now, or you can have a bike later. We want the immediate gratification. A culture tells us you'll be better off if you do, and you'll be worse off. So here's three things. I am way over three things, because I'm liking what I'm saying, but... Three things, biblical standards for courtship. Number one, standards were extremely high. Okay, they were high. It, it, it wasn't about just being fun and tied down. Instead, instead to restrict, it, was, it was to restrict you for a season so that you could have the benefits later, so you could have the joy later. And so we need to raise our social standards, our relational standards. I'm going to keep going. Uh, number two, uh, families were involved. I love this particular point. All my kids need to listen up. Uh, families were involved. Today in our culture, listen, I did a whole study on this. I don't have time, but women are preyed on by predators in particular, okay? And the, the stats about male predators, basically, how do, how do I summarize a lot of stuff? But the trend is, is that men are looking for weak, hurt divorcees, broken relationships and things like that, people who've been disappointed, uh, disenfranchised maybe by parents or past relationships because they're easy to get and conquer. And so they use the term predator. And in the biblical culture, listen, the God's ways, you couldn't even get to the girl without going through the father. You couldn't even get a date without going through the father. And, 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 and still we have some of this today, a little bit, and a little bit in this church where the guy has to ask the father for her hand. There's still, God, there's just a little bit of that left. But you couldn't, you, back then, you'd have to ask for his permission just to go out on a date with her for the first time, even start courting her, you know? And so it, it's, it's just a different day. And girls, God's, God is for you, and I am too, but I, I say dating a, the dating culture puts you in a no-win situation. You need family. I say, I don't have family that would be involved in that. That's why you have a church. That's why you need to get connected and plugged in so you can develop a new family and a new, new mom and dad, in a way, that can support and play, play a role in that, in that situation. And that happens in this church right now. You just have to, get, to make yourself available for that. Yeah, because it's, it's just not fair. You know, the girl has to wait for the guy on everything, initiate everything. And in fact, the dad should be the initiator. The dad should be, have you seen my daughter? 
Have you, have you, have you, have you, hey, hey, buddy, come here for a second. Have you, have you checked out my daughter, Mallory? Can you imagine? That's, I'm not ready for that right now, okay, in case you're wondering. I'm just, just making a point. I'm just making a point. But the dad was the initiator. The dad was the scout. The dad was the protector in, in, in the biblical, the gatekeeper in these situations. And so the last one was access was conditional. Everybody say Conditional. In other words, the man had to prove his worth. The man uh, today has unlimited access, the exact opposite. The focus was on protection, again, not restriction. And so what, what is good about allowing uh, young people to, to do adult things? There isn't. There isn't. And even if you're at an, you're, you are an adult that is single, it, you need protection, and you need to have limited access. And somebody needs to have the gatekeeper role in your life. And because when we don't, what happens is we have unlimited access. And then when things go wrong, we get mad. And we get, we get mad when things go too far. When the consequences come back to bite us. And then we get mad at God, ultimately. But he set a standard for us. And, you know, I could just, there's so many things I could say here. But can I tell you something that may open your eyes about this? One particular thing, I, I can't help but do this because sex is such a big part of this situation. Um, you, you may not always think this way, but God created sex. Hey, thank you, Jesus. God created sex. He created it for pleasure, all right? Yes, procreation. Uh, I think the highest level of sex was for unity, actually, which most people don't get to experience that. It was created to, to bring oneness, but it was created for pleasure. Absolutely, no doubt about it. It's a good thing God created. He's a good God. But the process of sex... The process of sex, and it is a process, was never meant to be interrupted. In other words, it was never meant to start. You know how you all know, it gets started. It was never meant to be stopped. That's why you have to back up so that it doesn't get started. And some people have to define what starts the process. Some people can handle certain things. Some people can't handle certain things in getting the process started. I'm, I'm, I'm being specific. I hope you guys can figure out what I'm talking about. Kiss, kiss on the cheek, kiss on the lips, all that, all that kind of hold hands, you know, all that kind of stuff. Some people, you hold my, oh my goodness, it started. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? Woo! You got some problems. Gotta pray for you, you know? You might need to back up. Some people that have crossed the line before, you need to back up further from the line. You know, the time to determine what those lines are is not in the back seat after midnight on a rainy day with no gas in your car, ladies. <laughs> Seriously, some of the stuff people say to me, I'm like, are you serious? I don't know what happened. What were you doing there? <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. Come here. <laughs> it's incredible. If, if, the, point, the point is, if you don't like what, you, what you're getting, then you got to change what you're doing. And, and I don't know about you, but I am not satisfied with the, the odds of success for my kids. Are you? Or for my singles, whatever they're eight, they're my kids, you know, anyway. I'm not satisfied with the success rate, so we've got to do some things differently. So here, here's, here's, here's the focus, okay? To have true life in our relationships, because Jesus came to give us abundant life, all right? Then he wants, to, he wants to do something inside us. He wants us to be the right person, not focused on having the right person. So 1 Thessalonians says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole, listen, what's it say? Spirit, soul, and body. Everybody say body. Be kept blameless till the coming of Jesus Christ. And so here are the three areas. Number one, body. That's a focus. Singles, we have to have a focus on the external by raising our standards in the external. Not loosening them, not having unlimited access to our body, but limited access. First Thessalonians says it's God's will that you should be holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy. And holiness is not boringness. Somebody like, yeah, it is. No, it isn't. Because what you get later is better. The people who have the best sex statistically, uh, this is not a Christian statistic. This is a universal statistic. Are people who had a singular or committed relationship before they were married into marriage. The best sex, the highest satisfaction. The people who have the lowest satisfaction were sex before marriage then brought that into marriage it's a fact relationships work when you raise a standard of holiness in your life it's not about you uh, uh, it's 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 about you not them my relationship with stacy works better when i do it this way even now even in marriage 
2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we are being transformed in his likeness with ever-increasing glory. I'm not going to do that video this morning. Number two, soul. You've got to have a focus on the emotions, the mental side. This is a focus on the internal. Everybody say internal. The best thing you can do to prepare yourself is to prepare yourself not to, be, not to need to be married. The best preparation for you in single life is to prepare yourself not to need to be married. That's the best preparation. I was with a girl recently. My wife and I were counseling, and uh, 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 she, she basically said, I don't, I don't feel like I need to be married. I was like, that's great. It was one of the healthiest single girls I'd ever met in my life. I don't hear that. You know why? Because oh, there's so much stuff. But, but marriage, you look at the different types of marriages. We call them A-frame in counseling. We call them H-frame or M-frame. A-frame is two people leaning on each other. You know, you complete me. Oh, you complete me. Oh, you're my better half. Oh, you're my better half. Oh, I fall. Then the other guy falls. That's what happens. Then you've got H-frame where all, the only thing that's holding us together is a contract, is a piece of paper, and we're highly independent we're barely holding each other. And so the first little problem, the first little situation comes along, we'll easily break that. Irreconcilable differences. We just don't get along. I just don't love them anymore. Boom. I got other things that are more important to me. I have other values that are more important to me. M-frame relationship is when we are connected to God, connected to God and we're connected to each other. An M-frame is an interdependent relationship. It's saying this relationship with God is expressed in my relationship with him or with her. But we, when we get in this, uh, uh, it, we don't focus on being without need, but our need being met by God. Then we have an A-frame or an H-frame coming like crazy. Another thing that makes it come is, is a good piece of advice is to make sure that your future spouse and you are directionally matched. You can write that in the white. You want to be directionally matched. If you see the man that you like and you, you're going huppa, huppa, huppa over him, and you think, you know, externally he's the guy, but he has a bent towards like corporate conquest and you have a bent towards world missions, you got a problem or vice versa. So you got to see, are you directionally matched? So much more I can say on that. I can't do it this morning. I was actually talking to a brother in Christ uh, out of a relationship because they were not directionally matched, even though they were compatible in certain areas. Chemist, our chemistry is so good. Yeah, but your calling is completely competitive. And so it won't work. Number three, spirit, a focus on the eternal. Your ultimate goal, at the end of the day, it's a temporary assignment, life. It's a temporary relationship. The ultimate goal is heaven. Heaven, not earth, is our home. If you don't have Jesus in your life, then the Bible says you don't have life, really. If you want to have life in your relationships, you've got to have the son. Whoever has the son has life. And culture teaches us so backwards. Find him, find him, find her, and then I'll find him. Culture says, find him, find her, then, then we'll go to God. No. Listen, the best advice I can give you is find him and find life. In all your relationships work when you find him. The singles that are the most healthy have the most fired up, passionate, fervent, uh, fresh relationship with God, and they keep it, and it's constant, and they keep putting logs on that fire, and then when they want to have a log on the fire with him or her, it works, and it's easier to do that, and it's easier to serve him or her selflessly, and to lay your life down, and to honor him, and all the things that the Bible says, because you've been doing it with him first. That's when it happens, and that's why it works. Are you tracking with me? All right, stand on your feet. I'm going to close this puppy up. I have so much more I could have done. We could have had two parts. Everybody could have got the CD next week. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you okay? Is everybody all right? All right. Just close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Let me just, let me just say, Lord, that um, I'm not mad. I'm just indignant. I have a righteous indignation about how you've robbed, how the enemy has robbed and how he's trying to steal life and people's relationships. And he's, they just, we're not going to have it in our church, Lord. We're going we're gonna to establish a culture that is life-giving and transformational and not bring uh, condemnation and guilt on people, but just invite people into a, a better way of doing things, into a process. And it all starts with you, God. And some of us, we just kind of need that total system restore 
like we can do on a computer where we just kind of a fresh start. God says you can have a fresh start. And some of you are thinking, well, how do I ever get back, you know, that, that innocence you were talking about? You, God can restore that sense of innocence. It's, it, 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 he can do a system restore like he can on a computer. And he can also restore that sense of innocence. When you begin to close the windows, the different doors, the different portals where people have access to your heart and access to your life, when you close those things, every time you close that, the power increases in your life. And that sense of significance and that sense of intimacy and that sense of security comes back when you do that system restore by turning your life over to Christ when you close those windows in your life you'll see that sense of innocence and purity come back and then when you commit you decide I'm not going to go back to that old life you're not going to do a 360 you're going to do a 180 you're going to get around the right people you're going to get into the right right relationships and those things will change the course and trajectory of your life Father, for every person that's in this room where God is speaking to them, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, uh, you would help them. You just help them, Lord, to be courageous in a world that says something completely different. Every single minute, every single second of every day, as soon as they walk out of here, they're inundated with a totally different, just a different uh, message from culture. But Lord, you called us to a counterculture, Lord. You called us to be different, to be distinct, to be a, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a people who stand out and stand apart, who are set apart in their hearts first so they can be set apart in their lives, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that you encourage people. But if you're here today, and you know, in order to have that kind of relationship here on the horizontal, you've got to have it on the vertical. You want to make sure that you're right with God, that you've invited the Son. Because he who has the Son has life. You want that kind of relationship. That kind of relationship starts with inviting Christ into your life. If you haven't done that, would you just between me, you, and God, boldly, without, without fear, nobody's going to call you out, make it, make it hard for you. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to invite Christ into my life today because I want my relationships to work. And I know I can't without him in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand good and high and say, that's me. I need to know that. God bless you, brother. That's awesome, man. Is there anybody else that says that's me? I need to make sure. I don't want to miss it. Praise God. You made my day, man. Thank you, Jesus. Good and high. Good and high. Just because I feel like I'm missing somebody. I don't want to miss anybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, church, would you pray with me? Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Be my Savior and my Lord. And I turn my relationships over to you. But would you fire up? Would you make fresh and fervent? my relationship with you first. Seek first the kingdom of God. The greatest commandment is to love God so that I can love and get along with other people. And let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, for the, 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 the bold man who raised his hand, I pray that you would seal that prayer and you would let him know that the Bible says that his name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life in permanent ink. Call upon the name of the Lord. Acts tells us he is saved. For those of us, Lord Jesus, who need our relationships restored, we need a total system restore. I pray that they seek you, Lord God, and they turn their life over to you completely. They decide to do it not just the right way, but a better way. I pray, God, that they would close the windows of their life, close the doors, the portals, all the ways that, that the world has access to their life, and they, they, they'd move their behavior to the, to the line so that they could enjoy relationships the way God intended. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap?